Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 178 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to be talking all about goats. So you want to get some goats, where do you start? We're going to be talking in a little bit of depth about the idea of keeping goats for milk or meat or whatever it is you might want them for. We're going to talk about different breeds, how you house them, how you look after them, how many you might need, all those kinds of things. So goats, as you will know, if you've followed me for a little while, they're one of my favourite animals, if not my favourite animal. I would not be without our goats. I absolutely love them. They're just fantastic characters. They make great pets. They really do become, you know, part of the family. They are such individuals and every goat is very, very different. It's really important if you're going to get goats that you spend some time, first of all, doing a little bit of research about breeds because what type of breed is going to be best for you is going to depend on an awful lot of factors. What is it you want your goats for? You know, is it just for pleasure, for pets? Is it for milk or is it for meat or some combination thereof? There are dual purpose animals that will give you milk and meat. Of course, all the animals will give you milk and meat, but some are more designed, if you like, or work better under certain circumstances for one or the other. Now, ours are predominantly for milk. That's the goats we keep. We keep dairy goats, milking breeds, and of course, we breed them in such a way that their offspring are able to be used as meat if we so choose. We tend to keep some for meat, not very much, because it's not a meat that most of my family particularly enjoy at the moment, although they're coming round to it slowly, slowly. But it's an animal we tend to breed and the offspring we would sell to generate a bit of an income. Now, we have three dairy goats and one of them we're pretty much retiring and that's Fern, our eldest, and she's an alpine. We've had her for three years now. We got her as a rescue, so we don't know how old she is, but I can tell you just from the last year of owning her that she seems to be really showing her age, whatever age that is, recently, which is why we are retiring her. We're not milking her this time, even though she's just given birth. We are retiring her pretty much straight away. And the other two we have are Toggenbergs. Now, with regards to milking goats, these are two fantastic breeds. They're the breeds that I know, so they're the breeds that I'm going to be talking about. But of course, you can do your own research because there's lots and lots of different things to consider. Now, our first goats were both alpines. That's Fern, and she had a partner who unfortunately died around 18 months ago now. And we milked those two goats and they just produced a fantastic amount of milk and were really, really easy to hand milk. I then got, after the death of Fern's friend, we got two Toggenbergs, which is another milking breed with the idea of having those three as our milking goats. And we got them pregnant. They gave birth to kids and I went to milk them. And I discovered that the Toggenbergs, basically their udders and their teats are so much smaller 
that it was really, really difficult for me to hand milk them. I've got quite large hands and they had quite small teeth, so it was just really tricky. And I ended up having to buy a little milking machine. That didn't cost me very much money. It was around £45, I seem to recall. And uh, it's the, you know, the, the £45 machine is the final iteration of the equipment I use. We started off with some DIY stuff and you know had varying success with lots of different systems but I am going to recommend if you are going to go for any kind of mechanical milking that you do purchase a little machine which is basically just a pump with a sealed bucket where there are two cups that come out of the bucket on a piece of cable obviously on a piece of uh, what would you call it hose and they attach to the teats and then another hose comes out of that sealed bucket and attaches to a pump and that pump is a impeller pump, so it sucks, doesn't blow, and it basically sucks air out of the bucket, creating a vacuum, and that's how the milk is pumped into the bucket. It's really, really simple. They're really cost-effective, super simple to use. Now, if I was milking fern this year, I wouldn't actually be using that machine on fern because I find it easier and quicker to actually milk her by hand. And again, it's about the size of her rudders and my hands. We're just a perfect fit. So. It's worth doing a little bit of looking online. Now, my wife, who's got smaller hands, obviously she, she could milk the Toggenbergs by hand without too much trouble, but the milking machine is, is our preferred option there. But whichever breed you go for, they're going to have lots and lots of different requirements and different temperaments, and these are all things to think about. Now, I spoke about Alpines and Toggenbergs. Of course, there's lots of other milking breeds, like Sanons, but then there's other breeds which are predominantly meat breeds. And the, in the UK here, the meat breed that you tend to see most commonly is the Boer goat, spelt B-O-E-R, I think. And our Sid, which is our male goat, our stud, in the UK we would call the males billies and the females nannies. Elsewhere they'd be ducks and, sorry, bucks and does. But our, our male goat Sid is a Boer cross. He's half Boer, half Sanon. So that means that our kids will be a quarter Boer and three quarters milking breed. So we could certainly keep any of our kids as milkers if we chose, but they're also going to produce that little bit more meat if we decided to raise them up as meat goats than they would if they were a pure milking breed. So it's worth thinking about your breeds and your breeding and how you're going to manage that process. Now, until recently, we didn't own a billy, a buck, a stud, call it what you will. We only purchased Sid in the last six to nine months and we bought him basically for this lactation cycle. Now in the past, what we've done is we've purchased a billy, we've used him to service our goats and then we've sold him again. And there's a reason for that, basically, Male goats stink, particularly when they're around females. They add a few other complications as well, which I'll get into shortly. But predominantly because of the stink, my wife didn't want a permanent male goat in our paddocks. We just happened to luck out with this goat because Sid, he does the business. He's a fantastic stud goat, but he doesn't actually stink. He hardly smells at all, even when he's right in the middle of mating season. And the reason that male goats stink is because they urinate all over themselves, literally all over themselves. It's quite a sight to behold. And they pride themselves on that smell. The more they smell, the more attractive they are to the females, allegedly. Now, 
this is something that may or may not be an issue for you. But if it's not and you're going to keep a buck or a stud or a billy, there are a few other things to think about. Now, we're at the point now where we need to separate Sid away from our girls because we don't want him to get them pregnant again straight away. Now, we've got several options with doing this, and the first one is fencing, but what we're hoping to be able to do is stud him out so that he'll spend the next six months or so out studying out on other people's properties, on other homesteads, and then we'll bring him back ready to basically work with our girls again at the end of the year, ready for another set of kids in the spring of 2022. Now, if you're going to separate them out, you're going to want some quite serious fencing. Those of you who have seen my YouTube channel and have seen the fencing that we have will know it's not the best. It's not the best goat fencing by any stretch. And lots and lots of people would tell you that it's not adequate, but it's certainly adequate for our goats. And there's lots of reasons for that. I quite often say that the best fencing is a content animal. And that is a huge part of keeping your goats in because they are renowned escapologists. So if you aren't meeting your goats every need, if they're not completely content, then you are definitely going to need some quite serious fencing. But again, the size of that is going to vary depending on your goat. Now, again, I found that in our experience, the milking breeds tend to be a little bit less flighty than some of the others. But also the individual goat's temperament is the biggest determining factor on what sort of fencing you're going to need. We've got goats that are quite happy to just stay at home. They really are fantastically calm and placid and they love just everything about where they are. So they're not looking to get out. And as a result, we don't need to worry too much about our fencing. The fencing we've got is only about five foot high and maybe five and a half. It's post and rail fencing with some wire stock fencing around the bottom of it. And it's, you know, a really, really simple setup. Now, if we were to house Sid elsewhere, we would certainly need some quite serious fencing to keep him in place to stop him getting back to the girls. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. Now, the other thing to think about, if you're thinking of getting goats, there's definitely an S on the end of that word, goats. You really don't want to get just the one. They're herd animals and they're not going to be content. They're not going to be happy if you try and keep them on their own. Now, of course, they're fine on their own for a day or two or, you know, in certain circumstances, but they are going to want other goats around them. Like I say, they're herd animals. They don't feel safe. They don't feel secure when they're on their own. And to a lot of cases, the more the better. And, you know, if you've got space for three, four, five goats, then so much the better. They're going to be that much happier for it and more content. 
Where we are separating Sid out, we're going to make it so that there is only a fence between him and the girls for exactly that reason. We don't want him to be shut away all on his own so that he doesn't feel part of a herd. We need him to be with the girls, but separated from them so that he can't actually impregnate them. And to achieve that, we're going to need to up our fencing game. One of the ways we're going to do that is by employing electric fencing. Now, electric fencing is something you can set up anywhere. You know, you don't need it to be near your house. All of the fencing on our property until very, very recently was run off car batteries. And it's a fairly simple procedure to do. And in our experience, our goats do respect an electric fence. Although it has to be said, my brother-in-law's goats are less conservative in that regard. They're far less likely to be kept in check by an electric fence. So again, it comes down to the temperament of your goats. Talking to my brother-in-law's goats, he's got pygmies and you know they really are a nightmare for him to try and contain and I don't know how much of that is down to the breed. Pygmy goats aren't something I've ever had a lot of experience with but it could well be also down just to the temperament of those individual animals and the temperament of that herd. You'll find if you've got a nice calm placid mum that likes to stay in her paddock her kids will learn that, you know, that's where home is and they will tend to take on that behaviour. Additionally, if you've got a herd of goats, it's been our experience that your herd, their temperament, will generally be taken on by the other goats that you introduce because, you know, that they are, as I say, a herd animal. And if the herd decides that this is home, we like it here, then when you're introduced to that herd, then this is home and you will like it here too. So there's lots and lots to think about. I strongly recommend before you commit to purchasing a goat that you do go and spend a little bit of time with it and the owners and have a look at what sort of setup it's currently in. You know, have they got 18 foot high stockade fencing? And if so, you know, is that maybe a clue as to the sort of temperaments of the goats from where you are going to be buying them? Once you've got your goats, you've decided which type of breed you're going to have and everything else and what purpose you've got them for, then you're going to get them home. You might want to think about how many you need, particularly if you're going to want them for milking and you might be surprised. So from our alpines, fern would produce without any trouble at all, 14 pints in a day. If I were to do two milkings, you know, 12 hours apart, one at seven in the morning, one at seven at night, she would easily give us 14 pints a day and often more. And the Toggenbergs would each give us 10. So it doesn't take a genius to work out that you really don't need that many goats to meet all of your needs. From our two Toggenbergs, they are comfortably going to be able to provide us with enough milk to meet all of our dairy needs. And that includes milk, ice cream, yogurt, cheese, butter, cream, the whole shebang. So you only need one to two milking goats. And with that said, I'm actually only going to be milking our goats once a day as well. There's been lots of studies in goat herds, particularly in Africa, and they found that you can get almost the same, not quite the same, but almost the same yield from one milking a day as you can two. And the additions to the convenience of that means, you know, that really makes up for the loss in yield. And in addition to that, for me personally, I don't try and run our goats at maximum capacity either. I really don't. There's lots of things we do that we wouldn't do if we were trying to get the maximum yield from our goats. I'm really not aiming for that. I'm aiming for a comfortable yield for me and them. 
and two Toggenbergs is definitely enough for that. You can milk a goat for over a year. You can milk a goat for up to three years, but the milk yield will tail off after the first nine months or so. So we're planning on actually at the moment, although things can change, we're planning on only serving one of our Toggenbergs in the autumn so that we can keep one milking right the way through and then have a sort of a staggered serving uh, from there on in. We may in- increase a third goat. We're not really sure at the moment because the news of Fern's retirement is still quite new to us. So we haven't quite decided on how we're going to go about that yet. Now, whether you're going to keep goats for milk or for meat, you're going to be breeding them. And you need to have a plan for what you're going to do with your kids because they grow up. And now if you're going to keep them for meat, that's not a problem. If you're going to keep them for milk, that's not a problem. But you'll have to think just like you would with any other animal about breeding lines. If you're going to keep your females, your female kids to milk, then you're obviously going to need a different buck than the one that served the mother because that's going to be their dad. These are all just things to think about. They're not problems. They're just things to consider. But one thing you definitely want to consider is castration. If you're going to keep males for meat, you definitely 100% will want to have them castrated because the meat will stink and it will be tainted if you don't. When you get a mature adult, that stink of mature males that I was talking about earlier, it really does impregnate the meat. We had an entire animal that No one else in my family could even consider eating and I really struggled and a lot of it went to waste and I feel terrible for that but that is the truth of the story because of just that stink and that flavour that tainted all of the meat where we had a mature entire male butchered for meat and like I say it just didn't work out so you definitely want to be thinking about doing that. There's lots of schools of thought around castration We personally do it at a few weeks old and we do it by banding. Now, I accept that that does cause some discomfort to the animal, but it is short term and our animals have always looked, you know, really happy and healthy and like they don't even notice. We've never noticed an animal, you know, yelp or scream in pain or anything like that. And we do genuinely try and look after the well-being of our animals as best we can. And we've had no issues with banding. We found it to be really quite humane. But again, you'll hear other versions and you'll hear dissenting opinions and you should make your own decision on that. You can, of course, have a vet do it at an older stage. And again, I've heard some people believe that there are health benefits to that. But again, you will hear two sides to all of these stories. But it is something that you're certainly going to want to consider is the castration. Now, if you're going to do banding, it's something you can do yourself. It's super simple with a little machine that looks a bit like a pair of pliers or a pair of scissors that stretches out an elastic band and you effectively pop both testicles through the elastic band and then release the machine and it does exactly what you think it would do. You know, that's how it works. The same way you would dock tails in sheep or other animals if that's the way you're going. With that said, it's just their kind of day-to-day needs that you need to think about next. Their feed and water and housing. Now, water is fairly simple. We like to provide a nice big water trough. And if you can get one with a stopcock so that you can have it constantly attached to the water and it's basically going to fill up just like your toilet cistern would whenever it's low, then obviously that's a huge benefit. 
So that's what we do. But, you know, equally, you can give them water in any receptacle that works for you. The only thing I would say is if you're going to use buckets, you have to make sure that you're checking them at least twice a day because they will knock them over. They are extremely playful animals and they will play with anything to their own detriment. When it comes to food, now you've heard probably that goats will eat anything and it's kind of true, but they're also incredibly, incredibly picky. We give our goats free choice hay, which means they always have hay on offer, or we try to. And uh, But what you'll find is they'll pick through it and the stuff they don't like will end up on the floor and there's nothing you can do once it's on the floor that will get them to eat it. It doesn't matter what you do with it. If they've decided that we're not eating that bit, then that's what's happening. And uh, you, it is out of your hands. We also give our goats something we buy, which is called a high yield goat mix. And we do this because it's it's basically got everything in it, loads and loads of energy, which allows our goats all the energy they could possibly need when they are making either babies or milk. And believe it or not, it actually takes more energy from the goat to make milk than it does to make the baby in their in their tummies. So there you go. That's not very biologically accurate, is it, in their tummies? <laughs> Sound like an eight-year-old. Well, there you go. It's staying in. Um, but that's the bought-in feed that we give them. And, of course, you can keep this down by offering them lots and lots of other feed. Browse is what they like. They're a browsing animal. They like to nibble a little bit of everything. They love, love, love hedging, trees, and all those kinds of things. If you've got any trees in with your goats, you'll have to protect them because they will eat all the bark and ring them and kill them. But any trimmings from your hedgings and trees, they're going to love, with a few exceptions. There are lots of plants that you can read online and find out that your goats shouldn't have. Rhododendron is definitely one of them. I'm not going to list them here because it seems to be quite a contentious issue. And I think you should do your own research. But there are some things that aren't good for your goats. And like I say, rhododendron is one. Some evergreen trees, I've heard, are also not very good for your goats. And also nightshades. When we're giving our goats vegetable scraps, we avoid giving them nightshades. So that would be your tomatoes and potato plants and things like that. Whatever else you're giving your goats, you're going to want to get them a mineral lick and you're going to want to get them one which is suitable for goats, which has probably got a little bit of copper in it. Now, that isn't going to be suitable for sheep. So if you are going to keep your goats with sheep, as we do, you're going to want to make sure that that mineral lick is held up high enough that the sheep can't get to it because that copper will not do them any good at all. So that's all of your sort of feeding needs. The only other thing they need is some housing. Now goats are fair weather animals. They don't like getting wet. They don't have the same oils in their fur as sheep do. So they are not comfortable out in the rain. So you definitely need to get them some nice housing where they can get in out the rain. They are also really going to appreciate it if you can make that housing slightly off the ground. So we use just pallets. We've got some temporary housing we move around and we put pallets in the bottom of it with some ply on top so they can get up and they're Bedding is always dry. Like I said, they are quite a fair weather animal and they're going to really appreciate dry spaces to stand when the ground is all muddy as well because all that mud and muck is going to get up in their hooves, which is the only other sort of regular bit of maintenance that your goats are going to need and that is to have their hooves trimmed. And depending on the type of ground you keep them on and how much hard standing, you're going to want to do that possibly as frequently as every six weeks or so. That's about as often as we do ours. And the best thing to do is to go online and find a video or speak to your vet 
and have them show you how to trim the feet. It really is incredibly simple. It is something I should probably do a YouTube video on at some point, but it's it's quite simple to learn. And once you've learned it, you know, it's quite simple to do. And my goats don't mind it being done. It's no different to cutting your toenails, but it is quite essential or you will get foot problems. When it comes to other problems, we use one vaccination called Heptivax and we vaccinate every year. It's an annual booster. And the first year it's a two shot. It's the same thing. You, you give one shot of it and then a second shot of it. And again, this is something you can administer yourself. Um, I suggest that you speak to your vet first and maybe have them do the first one with you to show you how. But it's a really simple shot and it covers them against the seven most likely illnesses they are to suffer from. The final thing to talk about really is just stocking levels, ground maintenance and worms. Now, all sorts of parasites can build up on a piece of ground and they live by cycling through your goat's body, through any animal. And then they live in the feces and then they get transferred back into the goat's gut by the goat eating off the ground. So if you can, the best thing you can do is actually cycle your ground and give your ground a good long break. Six weeks is the amount of time I usually see referenced online and we certainly like to give our ground at least a six week break every six months minimum. So we've moved our goats from one paddock to another, to the smaller paddock, and we did that about five weeks ago. So in another week or two, we'll be able to move them back into the top paddock, which will have loads of lush growth for them, and it will be clear of parasites. And it's just a way of keeping those parasitic numbers down. We also give them access to a plant called wormwood, which is a natural wormer a remedy that's been used for hundreds of years so that's what we do with our goats and hopefully you found some tips in this episode that's you know going to help you with your goats if you're thinking of getting some whatever you do just like i say make sure you you know what you're getting spend a bit of time with your goat before you get it home because their temperaments vary wildly and it depends what you want from your goat, but if you want nice, calm goats that maybe come up and say hello at the fence, then uh, make sure they do that when you go and see them and uh, you won't go too far wrong. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please, please do make sure you give me a shout out on your social media platforms. Let everyone know that you're listening because it is the best way to grow the show. And I genuinely appreciate all of the support that you guys give me. Without you, this show doesn't happen. So thanks again for listening and I will speak to you on Wednesday. Cheers. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.